The impact of COVID-19 across the world has been devastating and felt by everyone. All over the world, there's fear and uncertainty as lives are lost, economies are being shattered, and what we know as normal life has been uprooted from us. We now find ourselves distanced from each other and left to navigate an unpredictable reality. I'm Justin Keller, your host. I'm certainly no expert on COVID-19, and I'm definitely not an expert on being human. But what I do know is that we must combat the fear and uncertainty that we face by fighting for optimism, and we must do this together. The Bright Side Chats is a series here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast to help share how people like you are navigating this trying season and what they're doing to fight for optimism despite the unknown, the struggles, and the concerns that they have. You'll hear from business owners, parents, fitness experts, mental health professionals, and more. The goal is not to give you an answer. I don't think there is one answer for us to navigate this. The goal is to bring us together at a time when we need each other the most so we can rise above this together. Be sure to subscribe and tune in daily for short interviews to encourage you to fight for optimism and find the bright side together. All right, welcome to this episode of Fight for Brilliance. I'm Justin Keller. This is the 22nd interview here inside of the series called Bright Side Chats. And today's conversation is with Rhett Smith. Rhett is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He's a clinically trained and certified executive coach, author, and speaker. And he has over 25 years in helping people transform their lives and their relationships. And we sat down and talked about anxiety and how to confront anxiety, whether that's you facing it, which a lot of us, probably all of us are to some degree right now, and even how to show up for people in your life who are anxious in this season. This is an extremely practical episode, uh, but it is not just a quick fix, how to get over your anxiety type of episode either. And I do want to say before we get into it that this is the season I have no clue how anyone could ever have been prepared to face it emotionally and mentally. And there are so many other layers to our lives already. And so don't try to tough it out. Don't try to just get through this season. And there are people like Rhett and episode nine, which was with my therapist, Jessica. There are incredible resources for you, people who can help you navigate this, get help. You may have never talked to a therapist and and gone down that path before, but don't be afraid to because you're not meant to get through this alone. And sometimes that extra voice, that extra voice of reason is often what my therapist is for me, is what you need to keep going and keep your head straight. So anyway, I just want to say that before we get into the episode, this is a great one and looking forward to you hearing it. Uh, before we do, just make sure you're clicking subscribe wherever you're listening to this so that you can catch all of these conversations and all of the conversations on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. All right, let's get into this chat with Rhett Smith. Hey, Rhett, thank you so much for joining me here today, man. Yeah, thanks for letting me be on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you. Absolutely. So, one of the things that I was thinking about is uncertainty is fairly universal right now. And it's hard for me to think of anybody who isn't experiencing at least glimpses of uncertainty Mm -hmm. and even moments of anxiety. And that word 
comes up for me kind of sometimes here as I get anxious, even in this mm-hmm. season myself. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that word first. And I know you've written about it. You've thought a lot about this topic, but how do you approach and view that word anxiety? Yeah, you know, it's good. Uh, whenever I'm speaking to an audience and I say, throw out some words, when you think about anxiety, what do you think about? Usually the word uncertainty comes up almost first, I think for people. And so my approach, I think for when, it, when it's coming to anxiety and doing anxiety, I always, I always think it kind of in these terms. Number one, I want to, I want to reframe anxiety for people as an opportunity to grow so they don't see it as something fearful. Like, so let's reframe the whole conversation. If you're anxious, let's, let's dive into it and just kind of reframe that as an opportunity here to really do something different and to grow. And then two, Obviously, anxiety is is painful for a lot of people. It creates lots of fear. It can do things in your body. So as we reframe it, I want to help them figure out some tools to like um, manage the symptoms. You know, um, you know, for some people that's medication. Some people that's just some like breathing exercises. And ultimately, I kind of want to set up a pathway for them to practice actually um, coming into contact with anxiety and kind of working through it. Ultimately, again, so it's not so fearful for them. Typically, that's how I do it, but always as an opportunity to grow, I think, in our lives. Okay. So can we be really practical on this and think about, um, you know, you don't have time to coach everybody through, you know, the details of it, but what are some really simple things that we can do to reframe it? Um, One, I would say, how do we recognize it if it's showing up, if it's not even thoughts, we don't think we're anxious. What are we maybe experiencing that would be signs of anxiety and then practical things to reframe it? Yeah. You know, I think anxiety typically for people, they'll start to notice things in their body, like a kind of a racing heart, um, maybe kind of sweaty hands, but usually it's people describe it as a feeling in their gut, almost like just not feeling quite right. Uh, I think also you'll kind of feel it mentally, emotionally where your mind won't stop racing. Maybe you're laying in bed at night and you just can't, you can't sleep right now. So all these racing thoughts. And so I think typically you can experience that way. Um, someone might see it in you as being like fidgety or, or, or like, you know, just doing a bunch of things. Like you can't sit still. Um, like for example, my wife can pick up when I'm anxious when I'm starting to organize everything. Like for me, if there's no clutter, then I feel less anxious. So I'm like just doing little menial tasks. So I think those are some of the signs typically. Um, if I'm talking to someone, I, you know, I the metaphor I like to use, you know, like if so if someone comes into my office, I say, you know, you drove over here in a car and your car has got a dashboard and the dashboard has gauges and the gauges tell you what's going on inside the car, right? Like maybe you have a low tire pressure or the engine light comes on so that, you know, that's the, maybe something's wrong with the engine or the gas light comes on, you have to pull up and get gas. So to the degree that you pay attention to those lights, right? You can take care of your car and keep going down the road. And so our bodies are, are simply like that. And um, when you feel anxious, anxiety, I like to tell people it's like simply like an internal mechanism that says, hey, something is going on inside of me. And it's basically screams like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And you have the opportunity to do either pay attention to it or just ignore it. And I think if you ignore it, it goes deeper and it causes other problems and comes out maybe in more severe anxiety or feeling um, feeling a sense of depression, um, maybe anger. But if you pay attention to it, I think simply what you want to do is ask questions of it, which sounds silly, but you know, go, okay, I'm feeling anxious. I wonder what that's about for me right now. Like, why am I feeling anxious? Or what's going on in my relationship right now that's creating anxiety for me? So I like to externalize it away from people so it doesn't seem so fearful. And to almost interview anxiety, if you can, like to ask questions of it. And for people, that I think just takes a lot of 
pressure and anxiety from them, like, oh, something must be wrong with me. No, something's not wrong with you. Anxiety is just a, your body's way of saying something's going on. Let's, let's bring that to the light and talk about it. When I think about maybe even making room for that anxiety yeah. instead of just brushing over for it, it's a little scary because of what might yeah. come with it. And so you talked about almost getting comfortable with facing that and seeing it as an opportunity to grow. Yeah. Are you saying the questions are maybe the way to lean into that to grow through it or, or what? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, um, there's not a linear pathway to this. I think the questions unearth more questions and lead you down a certain path. You know, if you're, if someone's fearful of being overwhelmed by the anxiety, by just even exploring it, you know, some simple thing I might do is say, you know what, um, take your phone with you into your closet, for example, shut the door, save some privacy, um, put a timer on for two minutes, maybe five minutes, and give yourself permission just to kind of feel and to see what comes up. And after five minutes, when it goes off, okay, just go back to what you're doing, right? You're just trying to create some space. And you know what you do that, let's say 30 times, like 30 days in a row, and nothing, nothing may happen. But it's the practice that ultimately one day you're sitting there and oh, you're like, oh, okay, this is what's going on with me. This is what I need to do. And so I think leaning into it is, is critical. Um, you know, I have a history of um, um, stuttering and sometimes people will hear it when, I'm, when I talk or pick up. And that, that comes from a long past history of uh, uh, trauma stuff you don't want to hear about today. But, you know, I had to ultimately get in front of an audience and speak knowing that I might fall apart and be anxious. And I fell apart a lot in those early years, but I've just gotten better. And I think that's something, you know, if there's something fearful that anxiety is keeping you from, I think just putting yourself in contact with that is really important. Assuming you're yeah. not putting yourself in harm's way, you know, I don't want to get in harm's way or do something dangerous. Right. But it could For be sure. a difficult conversation with the spouse that you're in an intense and tight environment right now. Um, it could be going outdoors for the first time to just get some exercise, but you've been fearful of walking outdoors. Um, it could be addressing some deep questions in your work environment because you're fearful of what's going on with your business. I and mean, there could be lots of stuff. Yeah. No, I think the key there is just thinking about um, confronting that uncertainty, mm -hmm. at least just for that moment. And and when I think of you, what's interesting is you've had to confront uncertainty a lot as you and I both have talked a little bit about endurance racing and mine yeah. is on the triathlon side. Yours is on just the running side, which I think yeah. is even more grueling. For you, what have you learned personally by facing uncertainty and putting yourself in situations that you know you might even be afraid of it, you're not sure of the outcome, but I'm going to go for it. What have you learned by doing that in your life? Ooh, yeah, you know, I was talking to you earlier about doing, you know, first, you know, a marathon, then a then a 50k, then a 50 miler, and then I did my 100 uh, 100k, so 62 miler here in January. And I don't know if it's a mindset, but what I, how I go into things is I'm going to do as much training as I possibly can do, but I like to put myself in situations where there's the possibility of failure. Like, I don't know what's going to happen when you cross a certain point, a certain threshold. And at those moments, you know, like in a triathlon, you have to rely on um, a deep inner well of, of strength or you, or you could just fall apart. There's that unknown. And for me, since it's just a race, I feel like it's translated into other areas of my life. I've learned to you know, like in the 100K, um, I really bonked at mile 20 because everybody went out way too fast and I had another 42 miles to go. And so for me, there was a level of uncertainty. I didn't know where, how the finish, I didn't know where the finish line was. And 
I think the way that I, I work through anxiety and, and, and the situations like where there's uncertainty is I just, I pull everything back and just think about what's the next best step. I don't think about the finish line. I don't think about mile, whatever, 30. I think about the next two steps in front of me. And I, and I think when you have anxiety and you're uncertain right now, you don't want to think about what's going to happen in January or mm -hmm. June, I mean. Um, you don't really want to think about what's happening in May. Though it's important to set goals and brainstorm, I think what you want to think about is what do I need to do today for myself you know, to face this uncertainty? And it may mean go out for a walk. It may be resting. It may be doing something creative. So I don't know, pulling everything back just taking it a step at a time. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of what goes through my head. And For sure. it's things like this that have really translated into other areas of my life in terms of my growth and my work and my in 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 in, in my relationships. Just knowing I just got to keep going, essentially. Yeah, we don't really realize that we can get through it until we get through it. And you don't realize yeah. it unless you push yourself through it, right? And that's kind of the same with uncertainty and anxiety. Yeah, and I think as you know, when you've crossed the finish line, it it's only as, as beautiful as there were difficult moments in it. If it was easy, then it wouldn't have been as as meaningful, I think. And I think right now, because things are really difficult for people, because we're experiencing anxiety and there's some painful and fearful things coming up, I think people are going to move into the next phase of their lives, maybe in a more meaningful, beautiful way, because they've gone through this anxiety, if that makes sense. I think that's really yeah. important. By the way, when you said you bonked out at mile 20, some of yeah. us in our heads were thinking, I bonk out at two minutes <laughs> to a well, run. <laughs> you've done it. You know, you've done the marathon at the end of the swim and the bike. And it seems like everyone falls apart at mile 20. And, um, yeah. you know, and I think what I want to tell people is, you know, it doesn't matter if they're running a race. Like we all hit the wall at some point, right? And whatever we're doing, homeschooling, um, trying to keep your business afloat right now with employees. And the reality is I think everybody has it within them to, um, to just dig deep. And to, mm -hmm. in that in that moment, just reassess life and figure out what's important to keep them going forward. And if they have to pause for a second and, and recalibrate things, that's okay. But you can keep going past that mile 20. Plenty of people do. And you can keep going past this moment right now. It's okay to bonk. It's okay to hit the wall. Um, that's I an like important that. time to stop and pause, I think. Yeah, that's great. So for people like you and me, someone listening might say, okay, well, Justin's done Iron Ironmans, you know, you've got Red who's ran up to 60 some miles. It's easy for them to push themselves, right? And so you've got this other side of people who are maybe wired to be more anxious. You know, circumstances have, you know, been harder for them to just see a positive side to it. So mm -hmm. if we're, let's say in relationship, brothers, you know, could be spouses, could be coworkers. If we're in relationship with someone who just seems to be by nature an anxious person, what can mm -hmm. we do or, not, or how do we show up for them without yeah. just saying, get over it? Yeah. And you know what people don't realize because they don't maybe know us personally is that we all have a story, right? And it may look like I got to hear running, a, but it was a lot of you know pain and behind the scenes and a lot of uncomfortableness for you and for I. And so I think it's important for people to realize, which it goes to what your question is, which I think approaching people is to, if you can, is to a way to empathize with them to get in their shoes and realize everyone has their own experience around this. It's it, there's no right or wrong. Everyone's got their own experience, and so to kind of try to enter into a person's story and almost switch roles with them and to, to see things from their eyes, I think is really critical. And I think that anxiety tends to be like a virus that people pick up on, 
and there's lots of good research on this in terms of like family systems. So if someone's highly anxious in the family, people tend to like pick up on that. Kids pick up on a mom or dad being anxious. So I think mm. if, if you if you find yourself with someone who's maybe non-anxious or can manage anxiety better, just you going and sitting with someone who's anxious can help just bring things down. You don't have to fix mm. anything for them. You don't have to solve any problems for them. Just you providing that non-anxious presence for them can be life-changing and, and just allowing them to kind of feel that and experience you in that moment and just to experience you just listening to them and not trying to solve a problem for them. You know, and maybe they want you to solve something and that's okay and they have a question for you. But I just think it's important, just like you said, to show up, just be present with people, try to manage your own anxiety. And you just have, you have no idea how that may impact the people, you know, in your family, in your marriage, in the, in the work environment. Um, you know, it sounds like you work with a lot of leaders and interview a lot of leaders and lots, again, lots of good research that, uh, a, a non-anxious leader, um, tends to influence his company and his environment in a really healthy, healthy way. It's, it's really powerful. So just show up, practice being non-anxious. I think that's all you got to do. Is it okay to just let them be anxious if, yeah. if I'm hearing you, right? Yeah. And, you know, in, in my own therapy work, some, I'll just say to a client sometimes, I'm like, you know, I'm feeling really anxious right now because I don't know you and I feel like I need to help you and I don't know what to do. And I think just naming it brings the power out of it. It just, yeah. it just settles the room. So yeah, I would sit next to someone and say, you know what? I'm really anxious right now too. That's okay. Let's just talk about it. And you talk about that's when the questions start to come up. And I think it diffuses the anxiety and brings some of the power out of it. So like naming it's yeah. really important. I'm glad you brought up that everybody has a struggle that they got through to get to their point of strength, probably. And we see the strength yeah. and not the struggle because we talked about even this podcast. Like, I'm literally anxious right now trying to figure out how to get eight more interviews done, yet yeah. showing up, looking like this is the best thing in the world to be doing right now. But inside, I'm feeling like, how am I going to do this? I got my son in an hour. Like, So you're yeah. right. There's always a lot more going on inside of us. Well, and you and I, it sounds like we share an infinity for uh, Rich Roll and his podcast and his work. And everyone's like, I want to be like Rich Roll. And he's like, no, no, no. You don't know like my whole story of sobriety and disaster and recovery to get here. You know, we, so there's this whole journey behind all of us, you know, but mm -hmm. the point is, I think we can all get there if we enter into that anxiety and that work and just take it a day at a time. Yeah, that's good. What's one of the most beautiful things that you've experienced through the season, just on a personal level? Yeah. Well, I think it's being in contact with my family more during the day because I'm not going into the office as much. And so um, my son, for example, we just jumped on the trampoline the other day for like an hour and a half, just made up a game. And we just had fun. Just jumping. On, I mean, when's the last time I jumped on trampoline for an hour and a half? And then my daughter, she's 12. She loves soccer. And uh, before all this, she was able to juggle the ball like 32 times. And her coach does video sessions every night. They have to video and send stuff. And now she's up to about 192 juggles. And like, I'm just watching her passion to master something come alive. And that's like inspired me. I think just being in contact with my kids, my wife, and just watching them do that stuff. Yeah, we both know Jessica. And um, Jessica said to me on, on her interview, she said, instead of worrying about what your kids are going to get from education or what they're missing out, sorry, yeah. on right now, she's like, you just being present is the education they need right now. And totally. I, I totally agree. We're seeing that, you know? Yeah. No one's going to, I mean, no one's going to fall that behind by missing months of school, you know? And in fact, they're probably going to gain more life skills that are more critical, I think. 
I agree. So the last thing I'll ask you is just kind of on a lighthearted note would be, yeah. what is one non-essential item that you would have to have, maybe a guilty pleasure of yours, if you were locked in the house for two weeks, not locked for like yeah. a bad reason, but <laughs> you couldn't yeah. leave for two weeks. Well, at first I thought like, oh, maybe it's running shoes, but if I'm really in the house and I can't go anywhere, like, I don't know, recently I've been thinking, you know, I, I, these aren't great headphones. I would want like a cool set of like beats or something and just like, I could sit and just listen to music because listening to music right now is just really something that I think just is important. And so I think just a good set of headphones just to kind of cancel everything out and just listen. I think that'd be my guilty pleasure, I think. Yeah. So is there anyone that you're listening to a lot right now? Um, you, you know, I'm a big um, Andrew Bell fan and mm -hmm. Matt, Matt Kearney and like Ben Rector and um, those guys. And so I'll usually put on like a, a, a station like on Pandora and just whatever pops up on like the Andrew Bell station. I love all the music on there. And so yeah, that's kind of been, you know, but I like hopping around. I like NF, listen to him and I like some um there's a west texas band explosions in the sky i don't know if you know them they don't mm -hmm, they don't do. sing it's just music and they have a show coming in late may here which i hope is available i hope they hope it's going i don't know if it is but i just man that they just kind of put you in a trance which i love yeah well i appreciate you making time i knew you'd be just such a great voice to speak some life into people right now through all that's going on and so i appreciate you being in my corner and everybody who's listening so thanks for having yeah Thank you. I enjoy watching the episodes with everyone you're interviewing. Uh, do a good, good job. So hopefully you get those last eight interviews. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Brightside Chats here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. Everything you need to connect with Rhett is right there on the episode page uh, notes on brightsidechats.com or in the show notes wherever you're listening to this. And I would encourage you to follow him. He's a great follow on Instagram. He's always posting very useful, practical content, and very generous with his knowledge and his care for people. So I would encourage you to follow him. And I would also encourage you to share this with two or three people. Uh, this is a tough season. It is a season of uncertainty and anxiety. And so um, I would encourage you to share this with somebody because it could be just the right words that they need to hear. And also, if you want to be part of the Fight for Brilliance community beyond this series, it will come to an end, <laughs> but the Fight for Brilliance podcast goes on. And this is a weekly show, typically not every day, but it, this is typically a weekly show. And so I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast as well as text the word brilliant to the number 3377 if you want to be a part of all that's happening here. Thanks so much for being part of this community and in this series, just coming alongside of each other, choosing to fight for optimism and find the bright side through all that's going on. I'm hoping that you've taken the chance to at least one day sit down, think of something you're grateful for, post it and use the hashtag bright side challenge as that's something I've been trying to do most days and over this course of 30 days here. And so I would encourage you to do that if you have not and we will see you next time on another Bright Side Chat here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. <laughs>